In the last weekend of the regular season, UMass went up to Orono, Maine and got all six points from the Black Bears on their senior weekend. We're going to recap all the fun action for you guys coming up. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 86 of High Character. UMass went up to Orono and swept the main Black Bears out of the building on their senior weekend. Two big-time wins up north, and we are we were in person, and we're super excited about it, and we're excited to talk about it right now. My name is Cameron, and today I am joined by my good pal, Evan. As always, Evan, how's it going? How how much better can I be right now? I mean, saw two amazing, amazing victories against Maine in a fairly dominant fashion. I feel like game one was pretty dominant. Game two, quite frankly, was a nail biter. But at the end of the day, you get two dubs, especially on a nice weekend road trip. It always feels great. So feeling good, obviously. A little tired after the weekend, if I'm being honest. But I got enough energy left in me to, to, to keep this episode rolling. So I'm ready to talk about the dubs tonight. Yeah, and uh, with these two games, the regular season is officially over. Uh, the playoffs are upon us, which we won't touch upon much in this episode. We'll have our our pregame episode for the um, the opening round game against BC. That'll come out on Tuesday, so be on the lookout for that. We're just going to summarize these games, and it's honestly been a while since we've had a, a fully positive podcast. This is UMass's first sweep in Hockey East play uh, of a weekend, getting six points. Um, they got two overtime wins against Vermont for four points. Doesn't really count. And the first sweep overall since uh, that October Union series. So feels really good. And from what we've heard from the players, they were just looking to get hot for the playoffs. And this is uh, seemingly the best possible way that we could be rolling into the playoffs here after these games. Yeah, I mean, better late than never on the first sweep of the year. You know what I mean? It's definitely good to at least get something, you know, momentum wise going. You could tell the boys are really buzzing after this weekend, and rightfully so. I mean, they definitely earned both of those victories. I, I think they quite frankly outplayed Maine. You know, those are, they, you know, th- this weekend was a really good kind of summarization of the whole, you know, you get what you deserve type of mentality. Because, you know, you could argue that I think at, at you know, at points this season, especially if you talk to the players, you kind of hear this like they think that they deserved a bit better this season. You know, it's just kind of been a, just one of those tough seasons. And, it culminated in two really solid, solid victories this weekend and really hoping that that momentum can continue on to Wednesday, you know, because at this point, I think we talked about it in the car, Cameron, what is it? Eight more wins and we'll be national champions at the end of the day. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, we just got two of them right here, you know, all it's going to take is a couple more and we can really start to make some noise. Yeah. And it is as simple as that. And these wins uh, gets us on the right track. They were Two pretty impressive wins, all things considered. And I guess we'll we'll jump into game one now. So Friday night up in Orono, um, a lot of talk beforehand how hostile that arena gets. Alphon, uh, we were excited to check it out, and it is the real deal. The fans fans get nuts up there. They go crazy. It's that easily the loudest building in Hockey East for sure. I'm uh, going to have to check out our arena review coming up next for our full thoughts on the place. But um, lives up to the hype. And UMass started this game out in – the best possible fashion less than one minute into this game. We see a shot from the point, take a nice little rebound out in front. Scott Morrow's there to clean it up. Makes it one, nothing UMass and silences the place real early. 
kind of a weird little role reversal type thing. Like Lebster's up at the point, and for some godforsaken reason, Scott Morrow's crashing the <laughs> net. It's like, what is going on here? But clearly it confused the main defenses just enough to kind of give Scotty a little bit of open space to tap in the rebound. And that was huge. I'm going to give myself a bit of a pat on the back because I said, you know, even before the, the game even started, you know, I said it on the preview episode, got to take the crowd out of the game early, got to get an early score and just suck the life out of the building because – I think we talked about in the preview episode, Alphond is like one of the, the you know, it's like a fortress of hockey East. Like Maine is really, really good at winning games in that building. So you got to take the the home atmosphere out of it early. And what better way to do it with a goal, basically a minute into the game, you know, like that's, that's really, you can't get much of a better start than that. So really, really good way to start the game and plaudits to, you know, both Lebster and, and Morrow, and as well as Cal Kifuk, who was kind of clearing up the front of the net. He's kind of a smaller guy, but, he was getting, he was putting in some work in the front of the net to clear up some space there. Yeah. Great overall goal. And it comes at a great time. Just perfectly perfect start to the weekend here in like the most hostile environment. Uh, this game's pretty even throughout the first period until we see uh, not even a, not even a crazy chance come up for me. It's kind of a two on two going uh, towards the UMass goal. And we see a sweet pass across by Thomas Friel, who Lyndon Breen, who we talked about in our preview episode, he's that, that big time scorer for Maine. Uh, he is on the receiving end of the pass and just tucks it home past Cole Brady, who uh, is getting the start tonight or on Friday night after uh, playing both games last weekend against Northeastern. So definitely can see the direction that coach Carvel's wanting to go here, but yeah, Lyndon Breen makes it one, one a couple minutes left in the first. Yeah. I was a little perplexed by, by Brady starting, if I'm being honest, just kind of after the whole second Northeastern game, just got straight up lit up in net, you know, four, nothing is not an ideal scenario mm-hmm. for what I guess we're now calling our starting goalie going forward, but moving on from that, I mean, this goal, Little, little bit of a tough pill to swallow. I mean, it kind of seemed like a, a bit of just a normal play, like you mentioned, you know, just a little bit of a cross-creaser. I mean, it's not like anybody really lost track of Lyndon Breen there. I mean, he's going to be, you know, the main target on, on Maine's team when it comes to scoring. So, you know, everybody was kind of locked in on him. You see Scott Morrow kind of backskating there. You know, he sees him in front, and he sees him trying to sneak in behind Morrow. And I don't know if it's a weak stick for Morrow. I mean, it's kind of been one of the stories of the season is just his defensive liability I guess would be the term I'm not really sure how best to describe it but he's just been very weak when it comes to making strong defensive plays and it kind of bit him in the ass on this one I mean it was a tough one and Lyndon Breen just kind of taps it home because Morrow just couldn't really seem to do a stick lift or kind of poke the puck away it was just kind of a a limp stick there and we got punished for it yeah and it was it was unfortunate but um kind of you see the the special ability of Lyndon Breen there, and he he wasn't done in this game. We'll talk about him a little later. Uh, we move on to the second period. Pretty uneventful. Uh, shots were pretty close. It was 10 to 8 in favor of Maine. Um, some good back and forth hockey, but nothing really happening in the second. And then we get to the third. Um, tie game makes you a little nervous with how UMass has been playing in the third this season. Uh, they come out strong. Two and a half minutes in, we see Taylor McCarr use his speed to take a puck up the sideboards. He skates all the way in on Maine's goaltender and kind of just puts a backhander on net. It somehow gets through, makes it 2-1 UMass, and uh, really special individual effort by Taylor. I think that was coming off of being on the ice for over a minute at that point, so uh, really cool goal to see. Yeah, just to quickly touch upon the second period, I think, you know, I I feel like being uneventful might be a bit of a misnomer there. I mean, I think there was a couple of moments in the period where we could have got scored on. I think, I you know, there was a couple of post ringers, you know, 
Cole Brady looked fairly confident in net, but there was a couple of moments where he kind of lost track of the puck and it would squeak behind him. And there were some straight up goal line clearances from, from UMass. So, I mean, I feel like realistically we're a bit, you know, lucky to be in the the one, one position that we were in because there were a couple of really dicey moments in goal, but ended up working out in our favor. Just kind of wanted to touch on that for the fans mm-hmm. that weren't able to watch the game the whole way, but yeah, talking about Taylor, man, he's, he, he's a man possessed when he wants to be simple as that. I mean, some days it just seems like he doesn't really have it in his locker to kind of make a big play, but you know, he turns on the jets on this one and just at, you know, he's a big power forward type guy. He's very strong on the puck. He's not going to get pushed <laughs> off and you saw it on this play. I mean, he just drives to the net, pokes at home, doesn't get much better than that, you know, and he's not going to be finished in this game either. You know, he, he gets one, but uh, he's going to continue and, such a such a special player and, and very key moment sometimes for UMass. Yeah, and uh, I think Coach Carville said it uh, after this game when when Taylor wants to he he can and when he wants to be disciplined he wants to skate hard uh, he has all the all the ability in the world at this level so good to see it come out right here in this goal and uh, another spoiler alert he wasn't done but a couple minutes later in this third period uh, three minutes go by we see Owen Murray he gets the puck uh, in the neutral zone kind of a two-on-two situation again, and uh, he kind of swerves to avoid a defender and just rips home a nasty wrist shot, uh, makes it 3-1 UMass, and that was his first goal of his college career. So um, some congratulations are in order there. But uh, me and you, we saw that live. We didn't know he had that in his bag. That was that was quite a nice shot right there. Dude, it was a laser. I mean, there's no way about that. I don't even want to call it a twine-seeking missile, piss missile. I can't even... I got to give it its own term. That's a Murray laser right there. And I mean, I'm hoping that we see more of those because genuinely that was one of the better shots that I've seen in just watching college hockey in general. I'm not even trying to gas him up like that, but that like, there was a bit of a screen, but he, he picked the corner perfectly. It was a fast, accurate shot. And, you know, I think we posted the, the, the meme earlier, you know, on Twitter, but Owen Murray, I was not familiar with your game. Simple as that. I'm feeling like Shaq right now. I mean, (laughs) we were, you know, playfully but also somewhat seriously calling out you know his his poor plus minus on the season defensively you know he clearly hasn't you know just the stats are clearly showing that he doesn't really have it there but good lord man he made up for it and he had himself a hell of a weekend you know I don't want to make it all about you know Owen Murray here but this he he deserved this goal he played very very well this weekend he got rewarded for it so absolutely nuts goal because I've been kind of you know, I, I've seen the potential in Owen Murray. I've mentioned it to you maybe off the pot mm-hmm. a lot, Cam. And, you know, he's a very strong skater. You know, it's just sometimes the decision-making in the hands just need to kind of catch up to, to his skating ability. And it did on this play, and he showed off some beautiful skills there. So I'm hoping that this is the start of a much longer and, you know, more fruitful career out of him for the next four years because he can be a special player in, in some key moments just like this. Yeah, and we were a bit perplexed. He, at the start of this game, it was announced when the lines dropped that he would be on the first line. Uh, and we were a little perplexed by that. And he really uh, showed his worth in these couple games. He's on the first line for both games. Um, he was all over the place, making a lot of shots, playing good defense, blocking shots. So uh, props to Owen Murray there. And you want to talk about pretty goals. A couple <laughs> minutes later, I, I think we weren't, um, we didn't fully see this in action, but looking at the replay now, it oh my goodness, we see Taylor McCarr receive a pass in kind of the mid slot area, and on upon receiving it, just one touches it through a defender's legs, picks it back up, corrals the puck, and just nips home one right in front of the goalie to make it uh, four to one. Uh, the route was on at this point. Taylor second of the night, and that was 
Uh, didn't see it in person as well, but looking at this replay, oh my God, what a, what a pretty goal right there. Yeah. I think when this goal happened, there was like people standing up in front of us trying to like shuffle back into their seats or something weird. Cause I remember not seeing this one live perfectly. And I was kind of wondering, you know, what happened with this goal and watching it back right here. Holy crap, man. Like I'm trying not to swear right now. Like that's how <laughs> good I feel about this goal. I mean, it's kind of easy to try and pigeonhole somebody with his size into like that classic, like power forward net front presence type of guy, but good Lord, man, he has some hands, you know what I mean? He put them on, on full display there. I mean, the ability to tap it in between, you know, the opponent's legs like that, skate around him, corral the puck and then shoot it all in, you know, maybe three quarters of a second. That's, that's some special skill right there, especially out of a, out of a sophomore, you know, he's going to have even some more room to grow. So, you know, unbelievable play right there to really kind of put the nail in the coffin. Like that's, that that right there is a backbreaker, and you can really see it on on the main player's kind of his body language after the goal. They look dejected, and I think rightfully so because if you're getting scored on like that, man, you should just hang up the skates and just go for the next game tomorrow. I mean, it's over at that. It's it's complete wrap. So great goal from Taylor there, huge huge goal. Yeah, we love to see it. Uh, again, that made it four one UMass. Four minutes later, with about five minutes left in the period, we see uh, Maine has the puck behind their own net. And they're kind of waiting for a while. Uh, the guy that has the puck, Thomas Friel, again, just sauces it off the glass. And it just somehow appears on Linton Breen's stick near the blue line somehow. Uh, and he skates in and nips one uh, over Brady's shoulder to make it four to two. But that was kind of kind of a wild goal. It just kind of appeared on the stick, took a couple perfect bounces to get to him. If I'm going insane, it looked like it went five hole. I mean, either way, though, like just absolutely insane kind of like two on one type of just madness right there. Like it seemed like such a harmless kind of boards pass that clearly just took the the most random of bounces right there. And it ends up, you know, ended up in a two on one. I don't really blame the defense as much on that one. That just seems like a really unlucky bounce. It might have been a bit of a set play because mm-hmm. it seemed like whoever was along the boards kind of tapped it over. You know, it. I don't, it's just a weird one, but yeah, we've been getting beat on a lot of two on ones recently, but at this point I'm thinking, all right, you're going to make it four or two like that. You know, the boys might've been sagging off just a tad, you know what I mean? They're probably feeling pretty good after a four, one lead. You give it a bit of a pass, but I, I'm not really putting too much stock into this goal because we're already up so much at this point. I'm feeling good. You know, I was basically public enemy number one to every single main fan that was sitting near me at this point. So I was getting dirty looks. I was relishing in it. They were, trying to trying to gas up the main team after you know making it four to two with five minutes left like okay bud like you really showed me like come on we were we were still feeling good after this goal regardless of how it happened yeah yeah i mean given the atmosphere here at alfon and uh also umass's track record in the second half of the season was a little bit nervous uh going in with two goal lead for the last couple minutes but umass able to buckle down and something we haven't seen a lot this season um goalie pulled for maine Cal Keefe gets the puck in our own zone, shoots at the full length of the ice for the empty net goal. And we were looking at it before the series. I think that was our only third uh, empty net goal of the season. So something we haven't seen very much, but nice to see Cal connect on the full length of the ice. And that really iced the game, made it 5-2. Yeah, it was a, I mean, really can't put too much stock into an empty net goal, but I mean, he was able to corral it. He flung it with some accuracy towards the end of the ice and, it's all you need. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a good cap off to a really, really solid performance there. So no complaints about that one. You make it five, two and you know, just a great way to cap off the game. 
Yep. And that's how this one ended. Um, really good feeling. We weren't sure what to expect this weekend with the atmosphere, but to get that first game um, and still had some playoff implications to it as well, winning that game. Um, and yeah, good showing by UMass. Uh, the shots a bit lopsided. Maine had uh, 31, UMass had 21. Never really felt like it was a, a crazy lopsided shot game. Um, I know UMass took a couple pucks off the goal line at some points. Uh, Maine rang the posts once or twice couple scary little situations but overall um UMass took advantage of their goal scoring opportunities um Victor Osman for Maine looked kind of rough he only had yeah. 16 saves and UMass had five goals four of them on him obviously um we've talked about UMass's face-off struggles they won that battle 26 to 19 so um some pretty good takeaways from this game all things considered yeah I mean it was a really solid performance at the end of the day I mean we kind of needed that I just think you know we, we got the win on senior night and then we proceeded to get smashed by Northeastern. And this, this was the opportunity to bounce back and say, Hey, we can get something going here. And they definitely got it done. I think Cole Brady, you know, he, he, he played well enough to, to earn the victory. You know, I think we, we didn't give up too many high, high quality scoring chances, but the couple that we did, you know, he was able to stuff, you know, he had a lot of really, really solid saves from, you know, quite frankly, shots from the mid slot, you know, those are high quality yeah. chances, but a good majority of them were also kind of outside shots and he stood tall. He stood strong. He played very well. And the team around him, I mean, he got the goal support, five goals, never going to complain about that. So definitely a, a good showing from the boys there. And we were, we, you know, me and you, we were feeling really, really good going into the, you know, into the following night's game as well. So felt really good. Yeah. And one more thing on this game, you mess had four goals in the third period after entering yeah. the third period tied one to one. So um, we were a little nervous about third period production. Uh, they, they had four goals on six shots. <laughs> so really rough look for Maine right there, but good on UMass for taking advantage when they could. Definitely. I mean, yeah, that's kind of been one of the major things about the seasons that will usually kind of crumple in the third. And this time we, we took it to them, you know, we didn't get a whole lot of shots, but it, it doesn't really matter how many shots you get, as long as you're getting the goals at the end of the day. And, we were, we were getting them. So, you know, fair play to us for solving Osman, who's been quite frankly, a pretty ridiculous goalie throughout the season. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just like main goalies just kind of, you know, sucking against us because Swayman kind of had that issue, you know, too, yes. especially at Mullins. So I guess we just, we have a way to solve Maine and it worked out, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, the points at the end of the day don't mean too much for the standings, you know, because we're already basically locked into a, uh, into an away game at the end of this game. But doesn't really matter because you know just as long as you're playing well um if we can play like this versus basically any other team i i think we're going to put together a strong showing and i like our chances going forward towards the playoffs yeah and you mentioned the playoff implications umass came into this series needing six points and zero points from bc to um get that home game that eight seed it everything worked out on friday night bc lost and um UMass won so going into the second game we were looking for uh another BC loss and they didn't get it they they ended up winning their game so before the second game even started um UMass solidified their spot as the nine seed so nothing too much to play for in this second game except for confidence going into the playoffs which I definitely think is is pretty important but UMass again they started off pretty well um Cole Brady in net again not surprising after the first game, but pretty quickly into this game, six minutes in, we see UMass with the puck behind Maine's net. We see just a, a quick little backhand pass from Reed Lebster to Cal Keefe, who's waiting out in front, taps it home, makes it one nothing UMass. 
Yeah, these guys have had a connection all weekend. I mean, really throughout, you know, a good majority of the season, they've been line mates almost every single game this season. Mm-hmm. So they got the chemistry. They've been playing together basically on the same line for the past four years now. So they got the chemistry. They know where they're going to be out there on the ice and just a great connection. I mean, Lebster's arm kind of cutting towards the net. Keefuke was there, you know, he was able to tap it. It looked like it was five hole just right up on the doorstep. It, it'll be kind of a bit of a, uh, I guess a foreshadowing for a couple of the other goals too, because we had even a couple more goals that were just straight up on the doorstep. Maine was not able to get us out of the crease or just kind of that low slot area where there's going to be a lot of dangerous chances. So we capitalized, you know, they were giving us only a little bit to work with shot wise, but we made them count because we were in some high danger areas. So just really, really solid shot there and good goal. Yeah. Good goal. And we see that connection you talk about just a little bit later, um, little less than 14 minutes into the period, we see Reed Lebster kind of battling for a puck along the boards, taps it out to his line mate, Cal Kifuke, uh, kind of corrals the puck a little bit and then rips a shot from top of the faceoff dot and nips a corner, makes it two nothing UMass. And Cal has two goals in the first period, make it two nothing. Yeah, this is one of those moments where it's like the first movie's so good, you got to get a sequel going. Like it's just, it worked out perfectly. So, you know, another just. It seemed like a bit of a harmless pass, frankly, from from Webster. It was just kind of keeping the cycle going, just find the open man. And, you know, Cal couldn't even really corral the puck on the first bounce. He kind of like hit his knee or something like that. But he said, you know what? We got a little bit of space to shoot. Let's rip it, see what happens. Fades out in front. And he picked the top corner, man. Like, you know, Osmond's kind of going for the glove save, and he has to extend his arm all the way out because he's not even able to see where the puck's coming from. And it was, it was not the speed of the shot that beats him here at all. It was just a perfect, perfectly played shot just right underneath the bar. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need. You know, we capitalized on, this was more of like a half chance. Like it wasn't a crazy dangerous chance, but you got to be able to convert some of those. If you're trying to win hockey games, you know, not every single goal that you're going to score is going to be a great, a high quality, perfect chance like that. So to be able to kind of make these ones count as well, huge, huge sign of really good momentum and quite frankly, confidence going forward. I feel like at some points this season, the, the, the confidence offensively was a bit lacking. You know, we would really try and look for that extra pass to ensure a goal. Now we're just whipping them on net because, you know, the guys, you know, think that they have a lot more confidence in their shot to make plays happen. So looked really, really good here. And I'm hoping that it continues. Yeah, it certainly did. And UMass took that two nothing lead into the locker room. At this point, Evan and I in the stands, we were public enemy number one. Oh, yeah. I don't think the main fans uh, are really used to having a lot of away team fans at their arena. And frankly, they're not quite used to losing at their home arena, to be honest. So uh, Evan and I just cheering on our, our players here, made ourselves enemy number one, getting a lot of stares, which was pretty fun. We move on to the second period, and penalties were definitely the theme of this period. We only saw one penalty the entire first game. The rest were really uh, holding their whistles tight. And in this second game, we didn't see much in the, we didn't see any in the first and third periods. We saw a total of six penalties in the second. So a bit of inconsistent uh, calls from the refs, but it did benefit us at the start of the period. A couple minutes in, we see UMass power play. Lebster kind of takes the puck all the way to the doorstep. He just kind of has, has it on his back and one foot away from uh, from Osman in goal. And Maine kind of waits a couple seconds and realizes, oh, shoot. Uh, there's a guy with the puck on his backhand right in front of the goal. They swarm him. Lebster gets the puck back to Morrow near the faceoff dot on the left, and Morrow just rips home a shot to make it 3 nothing. UMass. Yeah, so just to touch upon real quickly the whole public enemy number one thing. I mean, it's not, <laughs> even, it's not even like they were really like that hostile towards us. Like, no, like, no. Whenever we mentioned hostility, it's just 
they're huge fans of their own team. You know what I mean? Like they are not ready to see guys decked out in full maroon. You know what I mean? When this is a white and blue building, simple as that, you know, we, we really didn't get anything other than kind of a simple dirty look. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't really being that obnoxious. I was just like, yeah, let's go boys. You know, like whenever somebody would score the, the typical, you know, kind of hockey fanfare, if you will. And, when it, you know, when they're expecting complete and utter silence, when their team gets scored on and they're hearing me screaming like an absolute banshee up in the fifth row, you know, you're going to get a couple of looks. So it was nothing crazy like that. I think the funny thing about the second game actually was we had a fan come up, you know, she was, you know, definitely a longtime fan, probably like in her sixties or something like that, had a whole autograph jersey and everything. She thought she was being smart by showing us like the line charts for, for the main team. And then she was like, okay, so this is the team that's going to win tonight. And I was thinking to myself, like, did you, did you watch last night at all? Like, were you here for that? Like, that's a, that's a pretty bold assumption to be making. And turns out, uh, spoiler alert, we end up winning this game too. So she must not be feeling too good after this game, but obviously it's all in good fun. You know, the main fans were honestly super supportive people. They were really nice. We got a couple of good games after the, after the second game. So it's not like there were any crazy bad eggs, you know, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. They were really, really passionate and good fans at the end of the day. But back to Scotty Morrow, because I completely forgot about him. Yeah, he absolutely picked the corner on this one once again. All of our shots were super accurate. It wasn't even a case of just like a dirty, greasy rebound going in. Like, we were picking our shots really well, and we were we were capitalizing on the chances that Maine gave us. So, you know, it was a lot of high efficiency, kind of like low volume type stuff. And, you know, I think that was kind of a thing that Austin wasn't really, you know, expecting. Because it seems like, you know, I'm not a big main fan, but whenever I see Victor Osman like pitching a shutout, it's usually like a 40 or 50 safe affair. I think he's kind of one that will capitalize on, you know, getting getting heated up, you know, from getting a lot of shots on him. He kind of gets into the zone. We weren't really given him much to work with. And I think, you know, that that was really kind of the big difference maker. You know, we only had, I think, 13, 14 shots up until this point, you know, across, you know, you know, basically two periods, you know what I mean? So definitely was a was a good goal by Moro there. And we, you know, we're just keep the foot on the gas at this point is kind of all we were hoping to do. Yeah. And uh, Maine takes advantage on a power player of their own later in this period, uh, about 12 and a half minutes in, we see just a, a pretty typical power play set up tic-tac-toe kind of goal from Nolan Renwick. Uh, just a really nice goal from Maine makes it three to one. That's going to happen when you're getting, you know, a power play and you get a shot from the, from the mid slot like that it's a textbook power play type move. You know what I mean? We just didn't have enough bodies in front to try and block shots that was a huge part of this game in my opinion was we were blocking shots like it was nobody's business like I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head but I'd be willing to bet a sizable chunk of money that you know Maine probably had 50 to 60 shot attempts in this game like they were just absolutely trying to pepper the net you know and I think it's kind of an interesting duality between the two teams because we we weren't really sending too many shots on net we were just trying to find really really good looks where they were straight up just throwing anything at the dartboard, praying that it sticks. So kind of thought it was a little, you know, funny difference between the two teams' offensive strategies. And clearly ours prevailed, as we'll as we'll talk about through the rest of this game. But yeah, it wasn't the worst goal to give up just because they were on the power play. You know, it's it's a tough mm-hmm. look. Yeah, and it did prevail, but not without a scare here. <laughs> uh, the score is three to one as we go into the third period. Pretty quickly into the third, um, just four minutes in, we see uh, a to be frank, a bad turnover from Scott Morrow. Um, we see David Brazil get the puck, and he he takes a shot, which just takes the fattest, juiciest rebound of Ben Poisson, who uh, who nips one home to make it three to two. And main main fans really got going after this one with a lot of game left to play in the third. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's kind of a bit of a, of a two-pronged issue here. Like, the, the turnover by Morrow, pretty egregious, if I'm going to be honest here. I mean, it's just another one of those just poor defensive zone plays that it's kind of becoming commonplace with him. I mean, he, he has some highlights, but he also has some lowlights. That's kind of the, the thing that you're going to get with Scott Morrow, which is unfortunate at the end of the day. But, hey, we won this weekend. I'm not going to harp on it too much. I'm going to try and stay positive here. But the other issue here I'm trying to point out is Cole Brady. Um, the, the first shot, it looks like, you know, he, he kind of sees it. I, I, I can't tell if it went off of him or if it went off of the defenseman out in front for UMass. I'm trying to see who that was. It looks like it was Bollinger. But the moment after that rebound happens, he's looking towards like the far side corner, thinking that the puck snuck through the whole time. When in reality, the puck is going right back towards the slot to basically the main player who ends up ultimately shooting into the net. That's, that's been another issue with Cole Brady this season is puck tracking that I've noticed. He's given up a fair amount of goals where he thinks the puck is behind him and it's going to stay behind him. So he kind of saunters back into his ready position in the net. And a lot of the times it's actually in an active dangerous area where there could be a shot going into the net. And that's exactly what happens here. It's, it's been a big problem throughout the season that I've noticed for him. And it, it, it bit him in the butt on this play once again, which is, you know, it, it sucks to see, but it's, it's, it's another case of just, you know, we're, we're seeing mistakes that have happened all throughout the season. And mm-hmm. it's a bit annoying to see them, you know, I mean, you're not going to fix everything in one season, obviously, but you, you figure we would see a bit more of an improvement in that area going forward. So Sucks to see, but again, it's it's not the end of the world in this game, so I'm not going to – I'll give it a bit of a pass. Yeah, it made things closer. Uh, Maine really started to get into it, but um, didn't take UMass long to get the Maine fans to calm down a little bit. We see uh, – just to be straight up, we don't have any description or video of this game from uh, the UMass Twitter recap, but if I remember correctly, it was, a, it was a pass from Bollinger to Lucas Mercury right in front of the net. I believe he put it in the backhand. I could be wrong, but – uh, made it four to two UMass about halfway through the period. Evan O'Sullivan's photographic memory is going to come into place here because I, <laughs> I remember this one very, very vividly. So the only part that I don't remember is who passed it to, to Bollinger, but Bollinger's basically coming up along the left side half boards in the offensive zone, just finds Mercury straight up parked out front because I think Taylor McCarr cleared a bit of space for him with his massive body, just kind of clearing a bit of space for him. Mercury finds a soft spot right in front of the crease Bollinger just straight up forehand just tosses it out in front and it was a forehand a little redirection on the forehand far Mm. side post on the right hand side and just I mean it was just in that little soft spot of of where the goalie couldn't cover between his glove side and basically like the, the the far side post and just perfectly found that that just that little sliver of space where he could redirect the puck into and it was it was a really really solid redirection I think that was only Mercury's like third of the season and, mm. you know, I think, you know, he, he's, he, he's gotten himself a lot of really, really solid chances. So it kind of sucks that it was his only, you know, third of the season. But I think he deserved a couple more goals this season. But, we'll, 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 you know, he'll, he'll be the first to tell you. He'll take them, you know, where he can get them. So definitely was a, was a good way to cap off his regular season with a ultimately really, really important goal. Because as you're going to talk about, you know, 21 seconds later, Maine does end up responding here. <laughs> Yeah, and good job on your uh, description of that one. Yeah, 21 seconds later, we see Maine enter the zone on kind of a three-on-three situation. See a beautiful pass from Lyndon Breen, who else, to Jacob Sirota, who uh, just absolutely burns Ryan Ufko uh, on the far side, receives the pass perfectly, and just kind of 
jukes Brady out of his jock strap on the goal and make it four three. And this has really got the place going with about 10 minutes left in the period. Yeah. A bit of an unfortunate defensive lapse here. I mean, it looked like, you know, that I can think of a couple of very distinct moments where we just, for some reason, we love to get scored on right when we get a goal, you know, like just literally almost on the ensuing face off. This has happened multiple times, you know, just watching UMass play over the course of, you know, the past couple of seasons, it's, it's frustrating to say the least, you know, because you're thinking, all right, big play here, focus up, make sure we lock up on defense and then stuff like this happens. You know what I mean? Like super unfortunate stuff. I mean, it, it just seems like it was a really, really solid saucer pass, but I just think Ufko should have been cheating a bit more to the right. Obviously hindsight's 2020. It's a fast game. You know what I mean? Like these are, these are split second decisions. I can't fault them too much. I think the I think the kind of the funny thing about this whole thing is the guy who scored the goal ended up proposing to his girlfriend after after the game. It's just a little funny side fact because I guess it was plastered all over uh, Maine's Twitter at the end of the game. I mean, rightfully so. It's kind of a big deal. So good for him, I guess. He he gets a goal on his proposal day, but I guess it's also good for us because this ain't going to mean anything in the grand scheme of things because. That's basically how the game ends. We went four to three. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that uh, definitely doesn't tell the whole story right there. Um, Maine outshoots UMass in this period, 13 to three. Oh, and, UMass blocked, and UMass blocked way more shot attempts than that, too. Uh, they bent quite a bit, but they didn't break. Uh, Maine pulled their goalie, and we had a lot of block shots. And uh, kind of a heroic effort from Ryan Ufko at the end there to kind of just put himself over the top of the puck on, on his hands and knees to ice this game out. But UMass is able to survive with a four, three victory. They get six points on the weekend. Um, This was more of a, uh, I don't know. I I think Friday was more of a well-deserved win. This one um, scored in in the right situations, but kind of gets pretty lucky at the end of the day. Uh, Maine out shoots them 38 to 14 on the night so they scored when they could made it count um get another win first sweep in hockey east of the season yeah i mean in my mind we didn't have to talk about the last 10 minutes of the game it's completely irrelevant we won the game (laughs) it doesn't matter but all right in all seriousness the last 10 minutes were a bit rough realistically we we've shown a propensity at times this season to kind of turtle a little bit when we have a lead and we're not feeling completely confident to be able to kind of you know, ice it in the traditional, you know, puck possession dominant fashion that, you know, we've seen in previous seasons. That's just not the type of team that we are. You know, we're going to, we're going to play that classic bend, but don't break. And by God, did we bend man? Because if let me, let me pull up the box score real quick. Our boy, Ryan Ufko, man, he had six block shots, which I think is like a season high just for anybody on the team. Like that's a pretty insane stat. He had eight block shots on the week. Man's going to need some ice packs. Simple as that. And I mean, He's not the only one. I mean, Eric Faith had three. We have a bunch of guys with two and one. So there were a lot of block shots. So just seeing those overall shot totals doesn't even tell the whole story. Like they were absolutely peppering the net with shots at every conceivable moment. So a bit scary, but we got the job done at the end of the day. But yeah, like you said, there things were a bit dicey towards the end of the game there. So kind of sucked to, to watch. I was I was nervous the whole time, to say the least. Yeah, Maine had 38 shots on goal. And UMass had an additional 25 block shots. So that is, uh, with some quick math, 63 shots. Yep, that's right. All right. So I was right. I was able to <laughs> put up a solid chunk of money, and I would have won that bet if anybody was willing to take that on before we, uh, before we revealed that information. Um, quite frankly, holy crap, man. That's, uh, that's crazy. But, hey, scoreboard's all that counts at the end of the day, so I'll, I'll take it. 
but it wasn't in pretty fashion to say the least. Yeah, it makes uh it makes UMass four and zero, and with all twelve points in the last two seasons on their one uh long um northern trip of the year last year it was at vermont they got two wins so very nice to win away from home and going into the playoffs on a really good note teams feeling confident in themselves some pretty nice quotes after the game from a lot of the guys and coach carvel as well so uh it feels really good getting the team at this point going into the playoffs we're gonna need to play hockey not like we did in the third period of this game if we want to get past bc but uh some a lot of promising things happen this weekend for sure yeah, simple, simple to say, second game, third period, don't do that ever again. Third period of the first game, let's do that every single period going forward. Yes. And I think we're going to be having ourselves a pretty good postseason. But, you know, as always, there's no guarantees. You know what I mean? It's it's a fluid game of hockey. Anything can happen. So I'm just hoping that we can put our best foot forward. And hopefully if we do that, we'll have a couple more periods like that third period of the first game. And we'll be uh, we'll be looking pretty good, in my opinion. Yep, UMass in this series kind of a um kind of playing like they have all season, uh giving up a lot of shots, uh, but it seems like the luck is coming their way finally in terms of uh scoring goals. We know the team has felt like they've been a bit unlucky all season in terms of puck luck and finding ways to score and stuff like that, but definitely got it done. We're gonna need some more of this going forward, though. Gotta keep the foot on the gas and keep scoring some goals. So um that's it for the game recap i guess we'll we'll move into our awards if you don't have anything else left to share let's get it all right so first award we like to give out is ccc carvel's character and compete award and for this weekend it might as well be called the cccc um co-carvel character and compete award we're giving it to two guys um one couldn't have succeeded without the other this weekend uh these two guys are calky if you can read lebster the two seniors Cal Kifuk was the one scoring the goals. He had three on the weekend. Lebster was setting up everybody with assists. I think he had four on the weekend. Yep. So um, really impressive showing out of the two of them. Um, Reed Lebster had a solo assist on both of Cal Kifuk's goals in the second game. So um, two really, really working well together. And it's it's nice to see the seniors contributing. We're going to need that if we want to make any kind of run in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's been like that all four seasons that they played with us. You know, they are just you know, almost attached at the hip when it comes to, you know, line charts They're you know, you always see them on, on each other's opposite wings. So, you know, they have a lot of chemistry together. They, they play with each other a lot. They know where they're going to be on the ice and they, they just kind of have that weird little telepathic link, you know, and they can find each other and make plays. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, that sort of chemistry can really guide our way, you know, towards the kind of the, the rest of the postseason because as we've seen in our past, what, four wins now in the past, you know, month and a half. I'm not trying to bring in a bad stat into here, but just being realistic, whenever Keyfuke and Lebster are getting up on the point sheet, we're getting wins. Simple as that. So, mm. you know, I'm I'm hoping that, you know, they can kind of be the guiding light because when they play well, the rest of the team just, I don't know if it's because of them or it just happens to be a coincidence, but when they play well, the rest of the team plays well behind them. So I'm hoping that we can kind of continue that trend and, you know, make some noise in the playoffs going forward because of that. Yeah, I hope so for sure. And it's, I don't know if we've ever done a, duo for uh the ccc award so um, good, on, good on both of those guys uh definitely couldn't have got these games without the two of them so uh definitely nice to see next award we like to give out is good try umass somebody who uh we hope to see some improvement for in the next game it's kind of hard to pick uh somebody for this award when you get six points and uh don't lose a game um kind of have to pick and choose i guess for this one we're just going to give it to somebody who 
um, kind of didn't show up as much as we'd hope. Um, Kolohara, he's he's been a main fixture this year and kind of showing up on the score sheet. Uh, Evan and I both agreed he kind of looked a little invisible this weekend. Um, didn't show up on the score sheet at all. Uh, didn't see him in any kind of big plays or anything like that. And again, if we want to make a run, he's he's another guy that we need to see contributing. Even as a freshman, uh, he's shown that he could do it. Just in this series, not not much to show for or anything. Yeah, it's not even like you play particularly bad, but it's just you know when you're when you're spending you know two games and you got one block shot and a penalty, you know, across you know mm-hmm. however many minutes he ended up playing. I don't know off the top of my head, but just really didn't do a whole lot. You know what I mean? It's not even like he was ripping shots or you know getting any crazy plays. I you know, as a guy that's basically watched, you know, both games intently the whole time while I was there and I was looking at the, you know, the entirety of the ice, I genuinely could not tell you a single play that he made, which in the grand scheme of things isn't the worst thing in the world because that at least shows that he wasn't making massive errors. You know, like that's, that's a skill in itself is to not make crazy turnovers. It's not like he was a detriment to the team whatsoever, but you know, it's it's tough to kind of you know single out some like you said it's tough to single out somebody who played bad when you get two wins on the weekend you know what I mean it's not like there were any sort of crazy massive errors that you know led to goals you know we were talked about moral already but he had enough you know good good moments this weekend to obviously cancel out he was you know he had four points on the weekend so he, he's able to six of, both night exactly he he's able to cancel out you know some of his you know massive errors with you know some really really bright spots but just O'Hara, you know, wasn't really that convincing this weekend. So mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a light cop out award. I feel like we say this a lot, but you know, it's it's tough to really say that anybody played particularly poorly when nobody really did. Yeah, and we don't expect it to be a, a problem by any means. Just no. kind of a kind of a couple of games where we didn't see much of it, but we don't expect anything like that going going forward here. 100%. All right, let's Let's move on to our custom awards. You you hinted at yours a little bit uh, earlier, so why don't you go first? Yeah, I'll get it out of the way. So Ryan Ufko, he's getting the sponge award because he's soaking up all the shots. You know, everything's just kind of attached to him. And, you know, like I said, eight block shots on the weekend. That's pretty nuts because we've been harping on the team as a whole this entire year about how just block shots really have not been a strong suit of this team. You know, we've been playing – at times pretty well in front of our goalies, but blocking shots has been a really, really, you know, just a, a low spot for the team. And this, I would like to think off the top of my head was probably our best shot blocking weekend by a fair margin, like 25 block shots in the second game alone. 37 I, on the weekend. 37 on the weekend. I am willing to bet that we have over 10% of our block shots for the entire year, just in this weekend alone. Like, I don't, I don't think that we're going to be over 250 to 300 block shots on the entirety of the season. So to have 37 of them come this weekend is an absolute beautiful thing to see. And it was obviously, you know, on the score sheet led by Ryan Ufko. I mean, he had, I want to say he had at least a, a shift or two where he had more than one block in that shift. So he, he was coming up big in some really, really key moments. I think he played pretty damn solidly defensively, you know, on the whole. And I think the block shots were a huge part of that. So fair play to Ryan Ufko this weekend's sponge award. So Nice. I like it. I did some quick math. It looks like uh, eight, 8.5% of the blocks this season came this weekend. Really? You just did some quick maths on that? Yeah. yeah. That's freaking ridiculous. So, all right, we, we'll do some reverse engineering. So how, how many block shots we have on the year? Uh, 433. Really? That's a lot. What the hell? Yeah. Like, 
that's actually nuts because I literally was checking like the record books like last weekend or the weekend before because I was bored and we had some seasons with like 200. Mm. Back to we're at four something right now. Wow. All right. I gotta I gotta rewatch some games and figure out where all these block <laughs> shots are coming from because I don't know, it just doesn't seem like we really have that many. But hey, fair play. Who am I to argue with the stats? Still, yeah, still I uh, got a big chunk of them this weekend, almost 10%. So 100%. Yeah. Well, only 10%. You know what I mean? I agree. <laughs> yes. All right. Good award. Uh, my award, I'm gonna be calling it the milk and cereal award. Cereal, uh, a lot of people are big fans of it. Um, even by itself without milk, it can be an outstanding snack. Um, but with milk, it just takes it to that next level, right? And that's kind of how I'm thinking about Scott Morrow at this point. Uh, I guess his offense would be the cereal. Uh, just awesome. He's really kicked it up a notch the last couple weekends with his offense. He had four points this weekend, which is great. I'm thinking if he adds a little milk, adds the defense to it, I think that is the X factor for UMass making any kind of run this postseason. I think if we don't see a good combination of offense and defense from Scott Mora, then we're not going to be making some noise in Hockey East. But if we do, if we can unlock something um, and get him to um, play a little bit better defense to pair with that amazing offensive output, I think we're going to be in good shape. Damn right. Simple as that. I mean, you know, you really could not explain it any better. I mean, it's just he's been one of the most like amazing players to watch, but also one of the most frustrating in the same mm-hmm. game. Like we I think the majority of the frustration comes from the fact like we know what he can do. Like we've seen like like that one UConn home game. Like he looked like a man possessed out there, was making amazing defensive plays, amazing offensive plays. He just looked like literally one of the most complete defenders in hockey East. And then the other 90% of the games we watch him in, he just looks very one-dimensional, you know, like his, his offense is unrivaled. There's no way to put it. I, I don't know the stats off the top of my head because I wasn't expecting to go fully into this sort of conversation, but you know, he probably is within like the top five of defenseman points. Like I think he has what now he, 31, 30. Yeah. 31 now on the season mm-hmm. that easily has to be in the upper echelon of hockey's defenseman, but Again, it's just the defense. Like, I can think of, you know, 10 to 15 goals off the top of my head that were basically on him. You know what I mean? Like, either his guy was the one that was tapping the puck in, you know, behind him, and it it all stems from his skating. You know, that's been the biggest frustration of mine with him. But, you know, hopefully he, he, he improves that. You know what I mean? I mean, it's kind of been a little while now, and we haven't seen much improvement on that front, which is a bit concerning. You know, if he comes back next year, maybe he could work on that in the offseason. I don't know what's going to go on. You know, I don't want to make this a big speculation episode, but I completely agree with what you're saying, man. Like the the milk has to be there because dry cereal is cool, but it can only get you so far. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you got to you got to make it a a complete meal at the end of the day and add that milk and get the job done. So we'll we'll see what happens. And I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm hoping that it gets better. Yeah, it is. It is really nice to see him start pouring it on offensively too. We we had some a long stretch this season, kind of without that. He was still getting assists, but he's starting to find the goals and stuff now. So, um, definitely some some reason to be optimistic in terms of Scott Morrow for sure. Hundred percent. I'm actually. There's one last thing I want to check before we end this episode. I want to see if anybody uh, offensively is in the double digits for goals now. Ooh. And uh, nope. nope. <laughs> we had four guys hovering at the nine mark. God. Wow. Damn it. Scott Morrow got nine. Kenny Connors got nine. Uh, Michael Cameron has nine. And Taylor McCarr has nine. And then we have guys like Reed Lebster with eight. Ufko and Kifuk with seven apiece. 
they're just they're so close. Let's Everybody... get all let's get all four of those guys to ten at BC on Wednesday. Dude, let's get that. That would be a absolute treat because realistically, I could totally see all four of them nipping themselves a goal against BC. Like hell yeah, those are all you know they've been they've been contributing a lot offensively for us. You know, yeah, I I like the look of that a lot actually. I think I might make that my official score prediction. I think we get a nice like four two win. And then we have all four of those guys scoring a goal to make a 10 apiece. That would be super cool. So we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was an awesome weekend. Uh, I guess it's the last, last we'll mention of uh, this series. Um, get two wins. Evan and I were there in person for the first time ever at Alphonse. It was very cool experience with the the atmosphere and that very unique hockey building. We'll have all our, our full thoughts on it in the next episode that'll come out. Should be out Monday night uh, talking about Alphonse Arena, our arena review, our last arena review of the season. Um, so make sure you check that one out. We're going to have some some fun things to say about the place. But yeah, UMass, uh, it's playoff time now, and it looks like they've finally found ways to win games. Um, they've won, technically not won, but came away with more points than the other team in five of their last six games. So things are, things are looking up at a, the best time they possibly could. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been the the story from what we've heard out of player quotes and just kind of coaches quotes throughout, you know, this, this second half of the season is get momentum. All it takes is a couple games and we're, we're looking good towards the playoffs. You just got to get, you know, hot at the right time. I'm starting to see some things heating up. Like, like we're, we're preheating the oven right now, you know, like we're getting there and yep. it looks like BC could could be you know that I don't know what's a food item that goes in an oven. It could be the cake that goes in there and has to get cooked. You know what I mean? Like we'll we'll figure it out. That was a terrible analogy. Please don't laugh at me if you're listening to this right now or laugh it because that just means hey you're getting entertained. So I don't really care at the end of the day, but sure hoping that we can get the job done against BC. You know, I'll, you know it's going to be a really really fun Wednesday night hopefully, and uh, hopefully we can extend our season just a little bit longer. Yep, the hope is there. Thank you guys for listening to our very last uh, series recap of the season. Make sure you check out our Alphand uh, arena review. Make sure you check out our BC preview. And when it comes out, make sure to check out our vlog from Maine as well. Got a lot of stuff still coming out for you guys to end this season. We're excited about it. So thank you guys for supporting us and go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. See you guys at Conti on Wednesday, and thanks for listening to us throughout the entirety of the regular season. That's four points this time. Let's go. Let's go.